You're listening to Sacks in the Basement, a production of the Broadcast Basement Limited, where every show is 30 minutes of good and comes from a basement bar on the south side of Chicago. Pull up a stool, pour a cold one, and join us right now for Sacks in the Basement. Heard everywhere podcasts can be found and always at SacksInTheBasement.com. Reports out on Tuesday that the White Sox have hired Pedro Griffo as the next manager of the team, Buster only the first to tweet it out. A couple other professionals that do that type of thing confirming it. Scott Merkin, who's been on this show many times before, saying that the White Sox will be doing the official announcement coming up this Friday. We may hold off the next show just a little bit to make sure that we hear what they say in the press conference. James Fegan actually put Merck as one of the options in a poll for White Sox fans to pick as the next manager. It was a joke. He put all the candidates and he put Merck in there. And Merck outscored Rafael. So I know not a lot of people thought this was going to be the manager. Not a lot of people were like, this is the guy on the top of my list. I don't think you can pass judgment on this move yet. I've said it many times on this show. You don't know what was said in the interviews. You don't know if the person's going to fit the team. And that may be the most important thing. I see people really excited about it. Okay, good. I think you'd be excited about anything if you're excited about it. I see people upset about it. Okay, fine. I think you would have been upset about anything. There's positives and negatives that is higher. I mean, the positive is they're outside the organization. That's a good thing. It doesn't seem like it's a Jerry Reinsdorf hire. That's a great thing. Reading an article put out at the beginning of this process by Jesse Rogers over at ESPN, he said this about Graffold. He has seemingly done everything else as a coach or coordinator after playing eight seasons in the minors, and it might finally be his time to manage, whether in Chicago or elsewhere, as a current bench coach in the division with the Royals, he'd be familiar with White Sox personnel. One admirer called him, quote, the complete package and noted that his experience working with Latin players could make him a strong fit in Chicago's clubhouse. He's been with the Royals for a long time. Before that, he was with the Mariners organization. He's also a former catcher, even though it's in the minor leagues, and catchers seem to really understand the game, especially when it comes to in-game strategy. And there was an athletic article that talked about Graffol and his involvement in working with the Royals on shifting and coming up with an outside-the-box, kind of ahead-of-its-time philosophy for the Kansas City Royals when it came to that. Now, the shift is going away, but if you're looking for a guy that actually is going to sit there and say, okay, how do we attack the new rules and try to find the competitive advantage like he had done with the previous rules, that could also be a positive. Negatives, well, I don't think he fits exactly what Rick Hahn said he was looking for. It's not recent championship or high-level experience over at the Royals. He was the catcher's coach when they won the World Series in 2015, but that's not the hitting coach, the pitching coach, the bench coach, and it was seven years ago. That may be the only complaint, though. We discounted him here on this show because he didn't fit exactly what we were hearing the White Sox were looking for because of that, that lesser experience recently with a winning organization. But he does fit the White Sox way in hiring a manager. Bob Nightingale tweeting out, Pedro Grafol blew away the White Sox during his interview and was the consensus choice among Jerry Reinsdorf, Ken Williams, and Rick Hahn. It's all about consensus. I mean, they could have literally had a list of their top three candidates and he's the only guy that shows up on the list and that's why he's selected. And that may be the best that Rick Hahn gets when it comes to picking his guy. 
But this is not somebody from within the White Sox family. This is not A.J. Pierzynski or Paul Canerco or Jim Tomey walking in the door, which we all knew was an outside possibility, but a possibility with this team. In the end, the manager is not the number one factor in how the White Sox do this next season. If he's competent, it really falls on the front office and what they do with the roster, what Rick Hahn and Kenny Williams do with the budget that Jerry Reinsdorf sets. The best part about this announcement is that we have a manager now, and you can put the spotlight right back on their offseason moves. The only question I have is, does this manager have the power he should have in that seat? Ethan Katz is returning. Ken Rosenthal tweeted that out, and I'm completely fine with that. He's done well with White Sox pitchers, but that is a White Sox thing. Sometimes they have another coach on that manager's staff, and when the new guy comes in, they don't want him kicking that coach out the door and bringing in his own guy. They are not a team known for just handing over the keys to everything to their manager. Rosenthal also reporting that several coaches will be gone, but who will it be? Will the direct conduit from the clubhouse up top to Kenny Williams? Many believe Daryl Boston's that guy, long-time relationship with Kenny. Does he get replaced? Because if I were a new manager, I wouldn't want that in my clubhouse. It'll tell you a lot about the process. It will tell you a lot about why some managerial candidates may not have had as good of a chance. If he was the guy that said, I don't care who's my coaches, I just want to be a manager, that's not a positive. If he got to pick who's going to be sitting there, if he had somebody in mind he wanted or somebody he definitely did not want, and the White Sox are allowing him to make those choices, that's a big thing especially for this organization. That's what I'm looking for over the next couple of days. That's what I'm looking to hear about more at the press conference that is reportedly on Friday. But after all is said and done, and the staff is in place, again, it goes back to the front office, it goes back to Rick, it goes back to Kenny, it goes back to Jerry's budget, it goes back to a plan that they need to have and execute in the offseason to get this team back on track. It goes back in the hands of a front office that probably shouldn't be there anymore that's making this hire. But as far as Graffola is concerned, at this point, you got to sit back, you got to watch and see what's he going to be able to put on his staff, who's getting changed out, does he have control, do you feel like he has control of the things he should have control of as a manager, and then you sit back and you wait and see what they put together for him to use this season. And then we have to reserve judgment as we go through first-time managerial mistakes with a team that is more of a veteran team than a team that's trying to finish off a rebuild and get ready to start winning. Can you put up with those first-time managerial mistakes? How many of them will he make and how much of an impact will it have on the team? Make sure you're subscribed to Sacks in the Basement. You don't want to miss the next episode. We're going to see how everything develops. It'll either come out as normal when you wake up on Friday morning or we will hold it off until after the press conference. Follow us on social media to find out exactly what's going to happen. But if you're subscribed, it'll just pop up. You'll get the notification. You won't miss it. The next 30 Minutes of Sox is the show that we recorded Monday night before the White Sox had a manager. I'm leaving the episode intact because we get into a lot of things like why was Joe Espada out before we heard the announcement? What would an Ozzie Guillen bring to this team? He got several interviews. And we talk about Griffol. Probably not as much as we should have because we didn't see this one coming. Like he was there and he was clearly on all three lists with the consensus pick. Your new manager of the Chicago White Sox, Pedro Graffol, a guy who was once quoted as saying, 
You have to hit homers to be successful over 162. You're not going to be able to bunt your way through a pennant. That's a different kind of guy than we just had. And now, what we said about all the candidates before the hire. One of the things about doing a baseball podcast, Ed, is that when you hit this moment in the season, when it's in the playoffs and your team is not part of the playoffs, it is one of those things where you kind of sit there and think to yourself, like, well, what am I going to talk about, right? Like, I can do nothing but trade ideas, but if I do nothing but trade ideas, and I'm just kind of, like, throwing things out there. Like, I would love to, like, I'd love to just throw out a let's acquire Jazz Chisholm, we'll trade Tim Anderson, and we'll go and we'll sign uh, Trey Turner. Something like that, right? Trey I mean, Turner, I, Dansby Swanson, Dave, Trey Turner. Yeah, right. one of those guys. Throw it out there. Get people all excited. Somebody will yell about how how can the guys on Saxon in the basement trade Tim Anderson. It's just an exercise to kind of get you to listen. We can't. We can't actually trade Tim Anderson. They have not given us the general manager job yet. Right. And I'm not going to sit yet. there and tell you I'm trading you on Mancata with a straight face because I don't know who's picking up $50 million for a guy that plays defense and hits 200. So I, I just don't know how that's happening either. So we could do that, but instead what we've done over the last week, which I'm uh, I'm pretty happy with, James Fox was on. He dropped the little tidbit about Kevin Long. So I, I don't have any like information. I, I have no idea if people keep asking me, but I think like one that would be really interesting is if they hired Phillies hitting coach Kevin Long. Um, I just like think it's different and – like hitting coaches don't have like an extensive track record of, of being managers. Right. But like everywhere that dude has been, they've raked and like hit nothing but dingers and like the White Sox need to do that. So I can totally see them. Like maybe it's an over promotion. Right. But like you have Kevin Long and Ethan Cass and they just like kind of run the baseball team and he has a manager title. Like, you know, I, I think that one I would actually be excited about. Yeah. And hours later, it seemed to be gaining more and more steam uh, all around, but he had had that thing on the show. He wasn't the first one. I know it had been suggested, but it it really started to come to a head uh, the afternoon after the show came out. And then also Don Paul on the last episode, if you missed this, this Bo Jackson book that came out that describes some of the craziness in the 1993 White Sox locker room and the cocky players and the players that other players didn't like and who were the good guys and who were the pranksters and all that stuff. He gets on the show and he talks about some of the stuff behind the scenes and confirms a, a lot of it, not all of it, but confirms a, a lot of it. It was good to have Bo in there, but I'll tell you what, the two people who kind of rode Frank Thomas the most and would tell him, you know, right to his face, you know, whatever they want to say to two guys, you might think very unlikely Ozzie Gein and Joey Cora. We're always all over Frank. It was, it was hilarious. Yes. Joe, little Joey Cora and big Frank Thomas and Joey's just ripping into him the whole time. It was hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it was really interesting. All of that on demand anywhere podcast can be found and always at SocksInTheBasement.com. This episode brought to you by Family Waterproofing Solutions. You heard the ad at the beginning of the show. Remember, they're available 24-7. And if you mention Socks in the Basement, you get a discount. Give them a call at 708-330-4466 for all your basement waterproofing needs, your sump pumps keeping your foundation intact. Your basement's best defense is at FamilyDry.com. All right, John Heyman tweets out, Ed, on Monday afternoon, the known candidates for the White Sox managerial search. I'll read them off for you. I think his list is incomplete. Let's see here. 
He's got Pedro Griffal. No. He's got Ron Washington. No. He's got Joe Espada. Done. He's got Ozzy Guillen. Maybe. He's got Carlos Mendoza. That's new. And then he leaves off Kevin Long. Right. Who I think is a viable one who we've heard that they've had interview, they had an interview with or spoke with at some point. I think that's your known list as best as we know. All of John's and then the Kevin Long thing thrown in there. That's what they've looked at. We also know they talked to Miguel Cairo, but I don't think he's an option. I don't think Ron Washington's an option either because you would have made that decision by now. And Joe Espada reportedly is not going to be hired by the White Sox. That has gotten out there. Scott Merkin put that out. And it's interesting to me that nobody's hiring Joe Espada. What, what do you think of that? What's wrong with Joe Espada? That's that's the first question that has to come to mind because the, the he's been passed over a couple of times. You could say that there's like, you know, something like halitosis. We're not going to say that, though, because I don't think that that's true. Yeah, I, I, I clearly there's something with Joe Espada that just being Dusty Baker's bench coach isn't enough to get him over the hump. So, you know, as he's going through these interviews, I, I you know, I don't know. I, what do you if you're Joe Espada, what are you saying wrong that you're not getting these jobs? Yeah, it's like he comes in there. He says something to all these teams and they go, what do you do for a living? Oh, man, Dusty must be doing all the work over there. Like, like something is wrong here. I mean, if it was only the White Sox rejecting him, I would say, well, obviously, he walked in, he wanted to pick his entire staff. They were like, no, you got to take Daryl Boston and, like, one or two other guys. And he was like, no, I don't want to do that, and that's why he's out. Like, that would be viable to me. That would make perfect sense. But when you see all these, these teams rejecting him, you start to wonder what's wrong with him or what is he demanding in meetings that all these baseball teams are basically saying, nope, we're going to go with this other guy. This other guy was more impressive, even though he was like the de facto best candidate when the season ended. Like everybody had him attached to every team with an opening in Major League Baseball. And this guy seems like he's not getting anything because I think the Sox are the only team without a manager at this point, and they're not interested, it sounds like. So I'd be shocked if he shows up, and it says a lot. I mean, it, it does say a lot about what Joe Espada, whatever came across when interviewing with the White Sox, because I've said it before, I'll say it again, and I believe it in my heart of hearts. Rick Hahn loves going for the guy that's right up at the top of the heap. It's the easy pick. It's the one where you could shrug your shoulders and say, well, everybody thought this guy was great. And it, it's probably the same way when it comes to managers, right? Like A.J. Hinch was the guy that everybody was talking about in that offseason. Joe Espada is the guy. All of his big picks in the, in the international market are the guys. All of his draft picks that work out generally are a first-round draft pick. They're the guy. They, they have all this stuff behind them. When he goes and he makes trades and trades away Chris Sale, he grabs the guy right at the top of the MLB pipeline top 100 list. He goes for like the... The thing that everybody in a consensus believes is good. So what happens here where Espada, the consensus good, the pick that everybody expects, now is reported by Scott Merkin, nope, not happening. Well, it, it might also be a Dusty Baker thing too, right? This could be Dusty sitting there saying, hey, this is my guy. I have a lot of respect for him. I really like him. I want to see him do good. Uh, I'm gonna put him out there, and I'm gonna I'm gonna circulate his name so that he's the guy in the offseason. It seems like a Dusty Baker thing to do, right? But it turns out the guy just can't interview well, or or there's something you know there's something about his baseball philosophy, or you know the perceived ability to command a clubhouse that just isn't there. And it may be something along the lines of just you know you're looking at teams that are passing him by, like the White Sox are not a rebuilding team, the Marlins aren't. 
I mean, they, they are, but they aren't a rebuilding team. The Marlins are always rebuilding. So it, it's, I don't know, you know, I, it's possible that there's, there's just nothing wrong with the guy from a baseball standpoint, but he's just not convincing these GMs that he can run a clubhouse. And then on the other end of the equation, you've got Ozzy, who's probably sitting there going, no, 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 no. It's not going to be as bad as it was at the end. Okay. It's not going to be like it was last time when I pissed everybody off and you guys all hated me and I hated you and we all hated each other. It's going to be great. It's going to be like it was in the beginning times. It's literally like trying to get back together with your ex-girlfriend when uh, things ended really, really badly, but you're still like, I think about you sometimes <laughs> when I'm lonely. <laughs> well, I, I don't know if Ozzy has a shot now. I think Ozzy's out. I have no problem with Ozzy Guillen being the manager. I know there are some people that are very upset about it. I, I wouldn't love the, I would love the, the show of Ozzy walking in saying, I'm not putting up with this. I'm not putting up with that. Somebody's not playing well. He benches them. He just won't put up with it. And he'll be very vocal. And he's the kind of guy that, that, you know, if his general manager gives him crap, he'll put the guy out there to die. Like he'll leave him out there and he'll play him like crazy. And when they ask like, why is so-and-so playing? be like, ask Rick. Cause I didn't want this guy. Like he's that kind of guy. Yeah. He, he did that the whole time he was here. He, he was one of the reasons why Kenny went out and made moves after his first season as manager to kind of reshape the roster. Cause he was not happy with some of the players that were on that roster and they were moved on from. And so he would be interesting. He'd be interesting for the guys that he throws under the bus. He'd be interesting for his comments. He'd be interesting for how he runs his team. He's actually a pretty good in-game manager. I know all the problems that he had at the back end, but he also won a ring for the White Sox. And I can't sit there and say, I'm disappointed if Ozzie Guillen is hired as manager, I'd be fine with that pick. But when I see him get two interviews reportedly and they haven't hired him yet, he's either a backup option if their option is, let's say, Kevin Long and they're waiting for the World Series to end and they're like, well, let's make sure we've got everything lined up with Ozzie if that guy doesn't want to leave after it's all said and done. or you have somebody like Jerry Reinsdorf, and I can only guess here, but I, I think it's a pretty sound guess, who wants Ozzy. He he doesn't line up with what Rick wants. We've been told by people before that the, a lot of the, uh, the burn bridge, one of the burn bridges is with Han, okay? So Han has to be convinced, and he's just taking interviews with Ozzy to keep his owner happy, but he's coming out of the interview saying, I'm not happy with this, I'm not happy with this, I'm not happy with this. I can only guess but just based upon how the team operates and what you know about the players involved in this, it really feels like this is Reinsdorf wants Ozzy. Ozzy's a viable candidate, but somebody in the room, likely Rick Hahn, doesn't want him. That's at least how I'm viewing it when you give a guy two interviews. We're moving down the list of possibilities here because nobody can agree on who's going to be the manager. Well, and, and 100%, I will actually do something that you and I don't do very often. I will absolutely praise Rick Hahn if that's the case because Ozzy's in-game management, you met, you referenced it, okay, and you referenced Kenny Williams having to change the nature of the team from 2004 to 2005 to fit Ozzy's managerial style. One of the big problems with the 2022 White Sox was Tony LaRusse's insistence on the old Oakland A's offense, right, and the old St. Louis Cardinal offense, sort of that National League style of – Get guys on base, move the line along, you know, play some small ball. And when the big home run happens, it happens, but it's screwed with everybody, right? 
The socks that Ozzy inherited with guys like Carlos Lee and Maglio Ordonez, you, it was a team built around power, and then it got remade with the Scott Pesednik types, right? Scott Pesednik, Tadahito Iguchi, uh, Juan Uribe gets you know a regular gig. You know you, you got these guys who are not necessarily all built for power as a balanced lineup, move the ball around, grind it out. It was everything was really grindy, wasn't it? And play that small ball, you know, the old joke about how much, you know, Ozzy loved bunting so much. And if you just decorated stuff, you know, a player with bunting, that's, he would just play him. Right. Um, so he, if you're Rick Hahn and you're looking at this going, I literally just watched the legendary Tony LaRussa try and small ball, a power lineup that everybody expected just to absolutely destroy pitching staffs with doubles and homers for the entire year. I just watched Tony do this. Why would I hire a manager, an Ozzie Guillen, who that is also the way he likes to manage? It doesn't make sense. You're making me hire a manager that's going to make me have to do a whole bunch of work in the offseason to completely rework my roster, when if Rick's going to do that, why wouldn't you just close the contention window here, blow it all up, which is something that you know kind of came out at the start of the offseason that maybe they'd consider doing that, and just start from scratch and then hire somebody like, say, Joe Espada, who maybe is going to have some some growing pains, or Pedro Griffel, who doesn't come from a winning organization but comes from one that is constantly building up young players. And I don't want to see that happen. Socks in the basement fans, it may be time to switch to a new age of life. High at home medical equipment is going to help keep you or mom or dad or grandma and grandpa out of assisted living and put them in a smart home, essentially. Uh, you know, an app that can open and close doors. They can set it up so the, there's less of a fall risk throughout the home. They can retrofit the bathtub. So many things they can do. Chair lifts and specialized beds and specialized chair. You, you name it, they have it over there. Plus, they have the latest in diabetes control and the best CPAP machines around for those with sleep apnea and testing rooms so you get the most out of your machines. Mention Saks in the Basement. You get additional money off and they work with your insurance company to get you the best price on top of that. Check them out and everything they have to offer at HHME.com or stop in and see them right here on the South Side. See a person in person. Don't do it online. See them at 3518 West 95th Street in Evergreen Park. Pedro Griffall, you mentioned him and I, I just can't imagine them hiring him. That's a name, another name that's on this list. It doesn't fit. It just doesn't fit. It doesn't fit what they said they wanted. They wanted a guy that's got, you know, winning experience on a a bench. Well, ever since he got to the the Royals bench, they don't win very much, right? I mean, it's not his fault. He just wasn't part of that that run that they had in the middle of the last decade. No, I mean, to be fair, they haven't exactly put players on the field since he got there that would suggest a winning team ever. Yeah, I mean, so... So I I don't see him as the pick either. I I really honestly just believe that you've got three people with an equal vote, which is one of the biggest problems. One of the biggest problems that we have with this White Sox team is that it's always a consensus. You can hear that in the comments made when they talk about the hiring process. It's never a definitive, like Rick saying, it's my call, right? It's never Kenny getting up there and saying, it's my call. It's not Jerry saying it because he doesn't get up in front of anybody for any press conferences whatsoever. He just schedules interviews with friendly interviewers. He probably asks for the questions in advance and and he picks and chooses when he speaks to the to the people, right? I mean, it's the reason why they're not having a Sox Fest. I think all all Sox fans know that deep down in their hearts. I do you think getting an audience with Jerry is a little like the old Wizard of Oz thing? Like, you know, 
are you the witch's Dorothy? Are you the witch's Nightingale? Are, are you, you know? And then you walk in and there's a giant floating green jerry head with flames next to it. Oh, no, I would love that. Who comes to the chairman's office? Floating, floating chairman head would be amazing. That would be, that would be, you see, that I would think was cool. In reality, he's just sitting behind a curtain in like the lap of luxury, just, you know, having a, having a drink and a smoke and, and just, you know, hanging out. But floating cherry head does all the talking for him. It's great. I like it. Congratulations, Sherman Reindersorf. That would improve my enjoyment of the team. To be honest with you, the next time that they sent out like one of those silly surveys about whether or not I feel connected to the team, if they included maybe like a picture or a quick video of the floating Jerry Reinsdorf head, like in the Wizard of Oz, I would be like, that's cool. Uh, they would get high high marks from me for I, that one. Absolutely. Yeah, I think that would be great. I'd want him to announce play ball on opening day that way. <laughs> Forget Southball. Bring on floating Jerry head. Like that. <laughs> that's yes. what I want. Okay. Anyway. Uh, Maybe that's what Southpaw was supposed to be. He is green. I mean. <laughs> okay. You're taking it too far now. You're just stretching at this point. All right. Uh, Jerry Reinsdorf, he won't talk to anybody. That's why they're not having SoxFest. I mean, they're not going to have anything. They're, I think it's funny. Wait till SoxFest returns, folks, if they if they have a winning season. They, they make it to the World Series. SoxFest will be seven days oh, long. Oh, SoxFest. <laughs> yeah. SoxFest will be like an Indian wedding. It'll just be right. days on end of nonstop celebration. Yeah, exactly. The fact that you have three people in there, from what it seems like, in terms of the chairman, Jerry Reinsdorf, the president of baseball operations, Kenny Williams, and the general manager, Rick Hahn. And Rick Hahn is really just an assistant GM who is given a GM title, it seems like, because he doesn't seem to get to make any decisions. Okay. I mean, hiring a manager is just not part of his job description. He gets an equal vote on this consensus thing. I just imagine three guys with like their top three picks all in their hands and they don't match. And that's why you, you turn around and now you hear another name in Carlos Mendoza from the Yankees organization, who's an interesting dude. I, I mean, but that's, I think, why you're seeing another name pop up, why you're seeing them be last to find a manager, why this is just, it seems like it's taking forever. In reality, it's probably not that important to get one in there. It's not like they're going to, the, the manager is going to make any massive decisions over the next couple of days. So I, I understand that it's not a big deal. They don't have one, but that that's why they don't have one, you know, and Mendoza is interesting. And I know you've looked him up a little bit. But I, I was reading up on him. He he goes out onto the field before every game and throws exactly 40 sunflower seeds in the grass behind home plate, one for each man on the Yankees roster, and then recites a prayer after he tosses the seeds. He's a very superstitious person. This guy will be interesting. Like, this is the guy who's going to bring out the lineup cards and have to, like, you know, if he if he stumbles and he wins the game, he's going to purposely trip. You know, he's going to be wearing the same underwear for an entire month. Like this is, I don't know. I mean, again, interesting, maybe too weird to be my manager, but interesting. I'll take weird. I'll take weird all day, man. I would, I would rather have Carlos Mendoza superstitious and, you know, understanding what it takes to play winning baseball over somebody who is perhaps intelligent, boring, and doesn't have the ability to inspire the clubhouse. You know, if, here's what this comes down to, right? There's baseball acumen, of course, and the ability to, to do the X's and O's and run the in-game stuff. But where we kind of questioned during the season, Tony La Russa's ability to manage was not that he wasn't respected by the players, not that he didn't know necessarily how to run the X's and O's of a game still. It's whether or not he had the energy and the drive and the ability to 
get the clubhouse together, right? And when we saw Miguel Cairo take over on the interim, the one thing that little dead cat bounce in the White Sox season seemed to be because Miguel Cairo, being a younger man, a more energetic man, was able to come in and kind of, you know, give the lollygag speech from Bull Durham to the team and fire him up for a little bit. And then for a little while that worked, and then they went back to lollygagging. If if I am in that consortium of Rick Hahn and Kenny Williams and, and Jerry Reinsdorf, I would hope that the reason why they're taking their time is because they are trying to come up with the right guy, but not because they can't agree on what, from a baseball knowledge standpoint, they're looking for, but that it is something where they are just looking for a feeling like we understand this team, we understand what we think it would take to get this clubhouse winning with this group, and, you know, Espada was not it. And Pedro Griffel is an interesting guy because players really love playing for him. So we're going to investigate that. We know Ozzy knows how to handle the clubhouse. It gets weird after a while. It, it can kind of be problematic and can be confrontational. But we know that in the good times, it goes really well. And maybe they're sitting there looking at this guy going, you know, Mendoza's a lunatic a little bit because he does the stuff with the sunflower seeds and he's weird and, and you know, all sorts of superstitions. But man, I talked to somebody over in the Yankees. They love that guy, man. Or, or this is that thing that the White Sox tried to do once before with a major free agent where they bring on that guy's guy or his brother-in-law or his training partner and then fail to give him enough of a contract to actually warrant said free agent coming and signing here. So maybe Aaron Judge really loves his bench coach. Oh, come on. And the Sox think, oh, the Sox think that making him the manager... <laughs> He'll give them a discount. I love it. Way to float out something weird. This is the kind of stuff you hear uh, in a bar or maybe if you're in a beer hall. Uh, Hailstorm Brewing has a spectacularly big beer hall with all kinds of things going on on the weekends, even uh, later on in the weekdays. They've got trivia contests and the outdoor patios going. Big giant tap room, fire pit outside for the chilly evenings, live music on the weekends. So much going on. Check them out on Facebook. That's where they put out a lot of their, their events that are going on. You can go to hailstormbrewing.com, but get over there and try the beers they have on tap. It is one of the most extensive craft beer lists you're going to find in any brewery on the south side. Tinley Park is quickly becoming like the place for craft breweries. There's a bunch of them out there, and Hailstorm is leading the way. Get out there and check them out at 8060 186th Street, right off of 80th Avenue. The official brewery of Socks in the Basement is Hailstorm Brewing Company. I'm going to ask you right now, I want to know it. Of all those names, who do you want and who do you think they'll pick? I, I You know, I the Mendoza thing kind of caught me a little off guard, but Given that the spot is out, I would prefer it to be either Mendoza or Kevin Long. All right. Um, and who do you think they're picking? I think that I think Ozzy. <laughs> or Chris Getz, one of the two. I love it. I love it. Yeah, yeah, watch out for him, man. He gets promoted, and all of a sudden, Kenny Williams' kid moves up in the organization. Doesn't he become in charge of, like, the minor leagues are very close to it? I mean, watch out for that name well, right yeah, there. It, I guarantee you Kenny's pushing for him because that, I mean, like, seriously, that, that's got to be a – Kenny at least suggested that once or 25 times during these conversations with the with the consensus group. I, I, I'm just sure of it in my heart of hearts that it's been talked about. 
when people are arguing over the over these managerial candidates, and, and again, Kevin Long, I think, makes an awful lot of sense for this team. Um, I agree. I, I agree. He makes a lot of sense to me. And of all the people that are sitting on the list, it, it, he's the one if I had to put money down on, I would say it's him. That's why they're waiting so long, right? Like, I would think that. Or you haven't even heard who it is yet because they can't agree on any of these guys, so they're just going to their next few guys on the list that they were going to interview after they went through the first few guys that are on the list, and it didn't work out for them, right? And they didn't hear what they needed to hear, or they couldn't come to a consensus between the three people that all have an equal vote. I mean, like, it, which is, again, a mess. But getting back to Ozzy, let me ask this question that I'm surprised— it, I. This should be the question that everybody who's either for Ozzy being the manager or vehemently against him being the manager, which I've seen before. Do you think the 2005 White Sox win the World Series with a different manager than Ozzy Guillen? Oh, wow. So, like, say Jerry Manuel is still the manager of the 2005 White Sox? Kenny changes the team, Jerry Manuel is the manager, and he doesn't, or, or just... Or just another first-time manager? Do you think another first-time manager could have come in there and done what Ozzie did, who had a different personality than him? Because to be honest with you, I have always felt that without Ozzie with that group, that group folds and folds before they even get to the postseason and misses out to the Indians. Okay? Cleveland beats them. Remember, they were collapsing. And it was the moment where you saw what Guillen was capable of doing throwing himself out there in such a way that it took pressure off the rest of the team. They talked about it afterwards, what he did. He's in the paper quoted as saying, we stink. It was in big giant headlines across the Chicago Tribune because people used to read papers back there because it wasn't on your phones. And, and it was, I mean, I, I went over to a friend's house who was a Cub fan and they had taken the picture of Ozzie on the Tribune cover saying, we stink. And put it on the refrigerator because they were getting a kick out of how the White Sox were falling apart. And Guillen is requesting that people send him via his Hotmail account lineup suggestions if they think they're so damn smart. Right? Because, and he put everything on him. Nobody asked anybody else on the team a question during that week when they started to turn things around. Okay, and Joe Creedy gets the big home run. And they talked about it later, how he took such pressure off of them by just being the guy out in front. And I don't think a lot of managers are capable of doing that. And I've always felt that that team does not win the World Series without Ozzie Guillen as its manager. I don't even know if they make it to the postseason because it wasn't a perfect team. It had flaws and it was falling apart at the end. And I've always felt that way. Take out what happened at the end. Take out all the bad blood. Take out the thing with his kids and Joe Cowley and whoever else you could find that was going on. All the craziness at the end and him fighting with Kenny and everything else and all the bridges burn. Go back to that season and tell me that any other manager could have done what he did there at the end. He had a positive impact and an impact that I don't think most managers would have gotten. I don't know if that means he should be your manager in 2022, but I'm shocked by the people that discount him. I almost feel like the people that discount him just don't remember what was going on during the good years, right? Because the bad years happened five, six, seven years later, and that's what sticks in their mind. But during the good years when things were going well, he did well, and he did things that were impactful for the team. I think people do forget that the 2004 team was this team that was sort of on an upswing, but not really. I mean, there's some vestiges of the 2000 team. It's not... 
it's not a complete roster. Ozzy makes it something interesting. Uh, they fall apart at the end, and he learned from that. And you're right. I think in 2005, he takes this veteran team, and he knows how to push the right buttons. He knows how to, you know, he knows when to do certain things. They won so many close games that year, right? Which is comes down to pitching matchups. It comes down to squeezing runs across and and playing small ball and knowing when and how to to you know to manage within the game. And also holding that clubhouse together as they started to fall apart. That cannot be discounted. And really, you know, where people sit there and go, well, well, how come they didn't get back in 2006? They were a tired team. They were a tired team and they had some more flaws and some things didn't go their way. 2007, that team was decimated by injuries. They, Ozzie had a, a, a squad that was terrible. He's back in 2008 with another veteran team, but that wasn't good enough to quite get, get through there. And really, by the time he leaves... The, the roster that he is managing is really not good, right? So no, the, 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 it was a bad it was a bad uh, roster. It, it, the White Sox demise was not the manager. No, no, no. The White Sox demise was was what was going on in the front office. The front office was the problem. It wasn't it wasn't Gian. Whatever happened with the Marlins, okay, and even with him in the fighting with Kenny Williams and the bad blood, all all of that stuff. Was was not the cause. the The real cause for the White Sox decline was the front office. Okay, it was again. It goes back to what we've always talked about on the show: a, a lack of ability to evaluate talent. It, it's always been an issue. Okay, and and he he when he was given talent, he was able to push the right buttons. So if you think the team has talent, and that you only need one or two or three tweaks to this team, or that it can be fixed in this offseason and you can be competitive, then he's the guy. Okay, it just depends on whether or not. All of the guys who are making the decision can agree on that. Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Heard everywhere podcasts can be found and always on SocksInTheBasement.com.